Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire. Hey, welcome back for another episode of the Creative Empire podcast. Raina and I are joined today by Logan and Michaela Ketterling. Logan founded Urbane and he married this beautiful woman that's sitting next to him. <laughs> they live in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I am just totally taken by them because they just told me they went through Colorado on a long trip. So I'm really excited that he is out there with his new wife traveling around and running this beautiful jewelry design studio and Shopify site called Urbane. Welcome, Logan, and welcome, Michaela. Thank you so Thank much you. for <laughs> Yeah, it's such a great pleasure to have you. I mean, I heard you on a different podcast and I just love what you've done with Urbane. I think it's fantastic what, you know, what you've been able to do. So give us a little bit of a background. Tell us what Urbane is and tell us why starting a jewelry company has worked for you because we have a lot of listeners that are still trying to make it and it just, it hasn't happened for them yet with their jewelry. Totally, totally. So yeah, starting a jewelry company came for me kind of out of the blue. I was working at Nordstrom, uh, was a stylist. I, I've always loved fashion. And I just thought, I need to do something bigger than just working at a store. And I loved my job. It wasn't like I hated it. I loved what I did. But I had a friend that was making jewelry on the side, and he was making some extra money. And so I started just making bracelets from beads that I bought at the bead shop. And I realized that nobody wanted to buy them because they were like, there's nothing unique about this. Like, why would I want to buy these just brand bracelets that you made. So I met with a mentor and I said, what do I need to do? And he's like, well, what are you passionate about? And I'm like, well, I'm passionate about fashion, but I love history. I love storytelling. And that's really what, you know, really gets me excited. And he's like, okay, well then why don't you do that? And I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to combine history and stories with fashion. And he's like, I think you can easily combine that. And so I ended up coming up uh, with our first product, which was a bracelet. I wear it every single day. Um, it's just like a reminder of like the beginning. But it was a bracelet made with wood from a historic sawmill that's close to us um, that was built in the 1800s. And I got some wood from there, ended up making a bracelet, successfully funded it on Kickstarter. And then really the company was born and just people from all over were like, what are you doing? What does this mean? Like, how, how did you combine your passions? And it literally just came from you know, meeting with a mentor and him encouraging me to do what I loved. And then the company was born. <laughs> yeah, you kind of brush that fact aside, but that's a big deal. The fact that you knew to seek out a mentor and that you went and found somebody that actually was a good mentor, not just somebody that was trying to take your money online or something like yeah. that. So how did you make that connection? Was it just you were out and about? It just happened to, to happen or you just went out and you sought someone out and then found someone who was a good fit? Yeah, I think I've always taken mentorship seriously. I think that mentorship is something that everyone should have. I think at that point in my life, I probably had too many mentors that I was just getting a bunch of information and not actually doing enough. Um, but I've always encouraged people to have mentors. And so I probably went to several people, but that was just the one uh, mentor that really stuck and, and kind of encouraged me to do stuff. But I was in college at the time too. And so I was actually starting this in my dorm room. And so he was actually a connection that I had through uh, the college that I went to. 
And so he, one of my professors was like, Hey, you need to meet this guy. He's an entrepreneur himself. And I think you'd make a great connection. And so I listened to my professor and he was like, you got to start it now while you're in college, you know, before, you know, your life gets too crazy. And so I did, and I'm so glad I did. And from there, it's just started to grow. Yeah. Michaela, what's the journey been like for you watching all this? And then, you know, you guys got engaged recently, married recently. So what's Mm -hmm. that been like? Yeah, I mean, it's been super exciting. I came on about a year into it. And so it's been just so encouraging for me. I mean, he's so driven and he is so passionate and he has so much zeal. And so seeing how that's translating into this company and um, seeing, you know, lives being changed because of it is is so exciting. I'm so proud of him. (laughs) Yeah, what do you mean by lives being changed? Give a few examples. He's gotten a lot of emails and messages from people about their yeah. families and yeah I think when you work with story that all of a sudden people want to share their story and so one of our best-selling collections is called the giant killer collection and we make jewelry out of stones from the valley of Elah in Israel where the story of David and Goliath happened and so the whole message behind that is you know David killed giants and you can be a giant killer too and so we've had people from all over the country really all over the world that send me emails about how that's, you know, encouraged them. Uh, the first person who got that was a friend of ours, actually. They, they knew the collection was coming out and they reached out and they said, we really want to get it early. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. They said, our daughter's wedding is coming up and she's gone through bullying. She's gone through like depression and we want to give this to her as the wedding gift. So we're at this wedding and the father of the bride is giving his speech and he makes me stand up and tells everybody about this necklace and that they're giving it to her and that's the gift that they're giving to her and i'm like this is even before the collection released and it's already making a difference and just hearing from friends who like they had uh, some other friends who you know giving it to their aunt who's battling cancer and all these different things and i had a text from a friend who said you know my friend's you know grandmother was wearing this and through her battle with cancer. And unfortunately, you know, she lost the battle, but she's in heaven now, but she was wearing your necklace the day she died. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy that this is impacting people's lives exactly what we intended for the collection. But yeah, Mac's been along journey. Her name is Michaela, but she goes by Mac. But she's been along the journey for, you know, like she said, a little over a year. and I wouldn't be here without her. So yeah, it's a great pairing. And those are some fantastic stories. And I think it, it plays into the bigger role of why you've been so successful in that you're not just out there kind of figuring out, okay, how do I pump out as many pieces of XYZ bracelet as possible? You know, how do I increase my Etsy profile to, get, <laughs> you know, more views or like game the sponsor listings or whatever. And it's interesting because it sounds like the business is coming to you. You're not really having to go out there and seek it, but correct me if I'm wrong. No, yeah. I mean, I think in every business, you have to market your product. And I think a lot of times, you know, we hope that business comes to us. I mean, I've had some, one of my largest order ever just came to us. You know, it wasn't even something that I was seeking out. But I think, I think it's a both and. And I think when you show and give value, and I think this is something for, you know, really every business owner, every entrepreneur out there is you have to give value first. You know, you can't be like, Hey, buy my product because it's going to change your life. It's like, no, I have to give first. And as business owners, we have to give first. And so what I mean by that is we try and give inspiration and give these stories and, you know, whether it's sharing them on our blog or sharing our videos on Facebook or little things like that. Like I want people 
their first interaction with the company to be an inspirational story or to be a thing about history that inspired them. And I think ultimately with that, you know, that's the long game. And that may mean that the people don't purchase right away, but if they have good you know, brand equity with me and we have good relationship, then ultimately, you know, they're going to buy and they're going to share the story and they're going to be impacted by it. And you are phenomenal at marketing, but what you're saying, I love what you're saying. It's, it's a both. And it certainly makes the cost per lead go down <laughs> when sure. we're talking about, I know you're a big Facebook ads guy, so it yeah. certainly makes that cost go down when it's something that is super shareable, which Facebook really wants to see. Yeah. Um, you know, they're always changing their algorithm to, or at least their ads algorithm to only show things that people are interested in. So have you had any like really interesting successes with your background in Facebook ads combined with Urbane and the storytelling aspects? Like do you yeah. do a lot of story-based ads? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really all I do. And so I don't know how much you want to dive into it. You know me, like you've heard me, I can dive in a ton, but just on a surface level. And if you want to go deeper, we can, but on a surface level, you know, I, I really focus on the relevance score if an ad is not relevant to people and it's getting a lot of like hides and people are commenting, you know, nasty things on it, or they're not commenting at all. It's like Facebook isn't going to show it. And so I'm, I'm really focused on what is relevant and not just to my customers, but to all of Facebook, you know, are people going to enjoy that? And so that's like my main metric is relevant score. Obviously a lot of people look at like link clicks and conversions, but at the end of the day, relevant score is what's going to keep you, you know, going in the long term and with stories you know like my like top of the funnel ad is like just a video and it's hey share this with somebody who you think is a giant killer and it's like that isn't an ad i'm not trying to sell anything you know and then sure it gets them in my funnel but that gets shared like hundreds of times you know throughout a week and it's like just i'm not trying to make money from that i'm literally just saying hey if this inspires you share it with somebody and so you know it's i want to say where that video is like almost at a half million views just from organic. And so uh, that's exciting to see. What gave you the idea to do videos? It's something that scares our audience a lot. And I'm not sure that I've ever heard somebody talk about it in this way. Like usually people are telling us, okay, here's how to do a video. It doesn't matter what kind of camera you use, like just get out there and have a good CTA call to action <laughs> and like, yeah you know, make sure that you could value, but then sell. And you're telling me something totally different. I've seen the video. So it's, it's very well produced too. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of merit in those other things. Like I think, you know, doing any video at all is great. Like if, even if it's not super high quality, I think it's, it's awesome. But I also think that people can see what you've invested time into. And so if you have like put out this video of your collection and it's like not well produced and the audio is bad and it's, you know, just super low quality people are going to go right by it. Now, if sure, if your story is super compelling, you may get people. But I, I want to say, no, I put a lot of time into this because I care about it. And I want you to care about it too. And especially with storytelling. Like for instance, if you're selling a product like, I don't know, like a dish rag that's the best dish rag ever. It's like you don't need a full story on why it's the best dish rag. You just say, hey, watch me do this. It's amazing. You know, we're done. But for this, it's like, no, we're trying to sell a story. And we're trying to change people's lives. And so if we're going to try and do that, yeah, we have to have well-produced videos. We have to have high quality photos because ultimately we have to build trust that we didn't just come up with a great story and we're trying to make money. It's like, no, the whole point of this is to inspire people. And so if that's our brand message and that's our goal behind, you know, the reason why we do what we do, then I'm going to spend the money to make a great video, spend the money on high quality photos and really work hard 
to craft a story in a way to where it's going to change lives. So, yeah. And it's come so naturally and organically for you two. What kind of advice would you have for somebody who is just like, I don't know, I just like jewelry and I just like, or, you know, they just, they're a calligrapher, they're a graphic designer. They're like, I don't know. I just, I don't really have a story. I just like to do this and that's all I know. You know, like how could somebody like that reach a little bit further and figure out what the story is around their services or their product? Sure. Yeah. And like Mac, she, she does like so many things. So she'll do calligraphy and she like always makes these journals and a lot of what she does, you know, isn't like, she's not trying to sell it and make money. I think that's the root of it is you have to do what you love. And if you love it, it's just going to ooze out of you. And it, like for this telling stories, you can be tell stories and I love history. And so if you're like, Oh, I just kind of like jewelry. Well then maybe that's not the right business for you. But if you're like, no, I love drawing or I love, I mean, th there's people who love things that you think is crazy, but it's like, I love cleaning. I know somebody that loves cleaning so much. And it's like, they're crushing it and have this amazing cleaning business because they're obsessed with it. I have a great friend who's the t-shirt guy. He loves t-shirts more than anybody I know. And you would think he's in a love affair with t-shirts. And it's like, it's because he's passionate about it. So I think for anyone, if they're passionate about what they're doing and they love it, I say go for it because that story is going to just ooze out of you. But if you try and craft something and create it and be like, oh, I think there's a great financial benefit to selling, you know, jewelry online, which is a tough business. So I don't know, unless you're passionate about it, you shouldn't do it. But like, if you think, oh, I'm going to become the next big, you know, e-commerce brand because that's what I want to do. Well, then you're going to fail because there's people who are way more passionate about it. They're going to beat you. Yeah. I mean, I want to push back a little bit though, because yeah. at the same time, there is a financial aspect of running a business. Oh, so totally. I don't want to like give our listeners the free for all permission, like just do it, go out there and be <laughs> passionate and like, forget money, like it'll come. That is definitely one theory. And <laughs> full disclosure, guys that are listening, Raina's getting a new fridge delivered. So we're waiting on her to jump on real quick. And I'm sure she would have, she's a life coach. So I'm sure she would have a lot cool. to say about this and bringing in kind of that mental mindset to the game where it is all about your passion and your vigor. But I'm full disclosure, the more like okay, let's see, how is this going to work kind of person? And I want to know, like, but how does practically, how does this work? If you're really passionate about something that's fantastic and that's going to help you, I mean, maybe you get 70 or 80% of the way there with the passion, but at some point, you know, there's bills to pay, especially you're no stranger to this. Yeah. You have overhead in your business. You are not purely a services business. Cool. So how do you fund something as you're getting started? Is it just like you keep your day job? Do you like borrow money? Like how do you feel like you marry this passion with the financial aspect in the best way possible? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I know I can get up in the cloud sometimes too with passion. And I think a lot of us entrepreneurs can do that. But it, you're right. At the end of the day, if you're not making money, then your passion can be awesome, but it's nothing's going to come out of it because, you know, you need money to grow. And so, you know, for Mac and I, we have multiple sources of income through different jobs we work through, you know, jewelry, Mac and her family runs a fashion boutique. You know, we have different things that we do. I work for my parents as well. So there's a lot of things that we do, but I think at the end of the day, you have to figure out how to turn your passion into revenue. And I think through the stories and through all that, you can do that, but you have to be great at marketing. You have to be great at sales. I think one of the things that I'm passionate about, you know, when I was selling at Nordstrom was sales and every marketer is a salesperson. I think marketing is kind of like a term that makes you sound less like 
scummy is like, oh, I'm a marketer. It's like, oh, that sounds like a fluffy, exciting job. Whereas if you say like, I'm a salesperson, they're like, ooh, you're a used car salesman. And so if you're an entrepreneur and you're not great at sales, you either have to have somebody who's on your team that's amazing at sales or you have to become great at sales. And so, you know, kind of shifting gears into that, like pedal to the metal mindset, like you got to do everything you can. Like when I started this, I was knocking on doors, asking people to buy jewelry. And if you don't know jewelry, that's not a, usually a good way to sell jewelry. If you're trying to sell vacuum cleaners or like cleaning supplies, maybe, but commodities. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I was like, I need to do whatever it takes. And then that led to something. And then it led to me getting a new spot because I met somebody in advertising from knocking on doors. But it's like, you have to do everything it takes to sell your product. Because if you don't, then you're going to go to business and your passion is going to dwindle. And so I know there's a lot of practical ways, but I think at the end of the day, you have to be focused on sales and you, know, you can't just expect that Facebook ads and Google AdWords is going to be the end all be all in your business. You know, you have to go into stores and go into retailers and, and do those hard meetings and figure it out. And it's like, that's one thing that you know, I'm doing right now is I'm working on finding retailers and it's hard and I have to go in and I have to pitch them my product. And it's like, it sucks because it's way easier to just throw an ad online and hope that these random robots buy your product. But getting in front of real people is tough, but that's the difference between the great and, and the okay. And the difference between the people whose businesses are going to be running for the next several decades and the ones who are going to go out of business this year. Yeah. Oh gosh. There's so much I want to unpack there that you're bringing up. One of the words though, that you kept mentioning was focus. How sure. do you stay so focused on Urbane and on just driving the, the story based mission forward instead of getting distracted by, Oh, like now we should try messenger bots. Oh, now we should do this. Cause that's what everybody else is doing. Oh, Vero is a new social media platform. Let's jump on that and see how that, sure. like, how are you keeping so focused and really looking, it sounds like, at what is giving you guys traction and then doing more of that. Because as easy as that, because obvious as that sounds, that's actually something that a lot of people, including myself, struggle with, is like looking at what is working and then doing more of that thing and not yeah. paying attention to the shiny objects. How do you focus like that? Well, first, I think it is hard. I mean, I think I do pay attention to the shiny objects more than I would like. I think, you know, it's funny. I was just looking into messenger bots, like, is that something I should be doing? It's funny you mentioned that. But I think that it's something that all of us get trapped by. So I think for everyone listening, like, just because I feel like, you know, we're growing and making the right steps, it doesn't mean that we're not all distracted by it. But in the same way, I think one of the things that I think was the most helpful for me, and I encourage all of the listeners to do this, is I actually wrote down on a piece of paper. I said, what do I need to do to make Urbane grow? And I wrote down everything. And what I did is I organized it by what things I need to do every single day, what things I need to do every week, every month, and every quarter. And then I say, okay, now I'm going to do all of these things. And until you can do everything that you wrote down, then you can't do something new. So I struggle with this because like, okay, I need to be posting on Facebook and posting on Instagram and doing all these things every single day and posting a story. And it's like, for whatever reason, I can't figure out how to do that every single day. And it's the most easy thing ever. But I think that's the criteria that I'm looking at is if I can't do everything I know that I need to do, then how can I jump in and start doing things that I don't even know how to do them? And so that's been a huge help for me is writing it down. And I've recommended this. I do some consulting with like some friends and local businesses and they're like, what do I need to do? Like I'm getting into Facebook 
Facebook ads and all this stuff. I'm like, no, you shouldn't do that. You should do this stuff you know works and know that you need to do that. And once you nail that down and for you know a month straight, you're doing every single thing that you need to do, then you can maybe have time to start doing new things. Yeah, it's one of the distinguished like kind of the distinguishing uh, factors of type A type personalities that it's all or nothing, right? And so it's it's yeah. really hard to just jump in there and not do anything or to do a lot of these things that are on your list. I love this list idea. I love how you just kind of did the brainstorm, the brain dump, and it really sounds like, and then went back and organized it rather than trying to edit and organize as you did it. That's brilliant. But yeah, this is a really great point that you're bringing up is that we're so focused on moving on to the next thing, going all in with that, that we don't even look at what we set out to do in the first place and what the game plan was from day one. Um, just yeah. kind of like make a new game plan up all the time. And it's no wonder that everybody feels like they're running in place. Sure. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about some of the marketing objectives that you do, some of the consulting that you do with small business owners. You know, what does that look like for you? And how does that either like add to or take away from Urbane? Like what's the balance there for you? You're talking with the consulting stuff? Yeah. So what do you offer for people? Where can they find that? And yeah. then how does that you know, does that help inform the decisions that you make in Urbane? Cause you get to see into, totally. like behind the scenes of so many other businesses or does that like take time away from running Urbane and it's a challenge for you? How does that look? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I've realized a couple things with that. And I, I was on a podcast a little bit ago and you know, I, I was offering my services and I got a ton of people that were like, Hey, help me with Facebook ads, help me with this. And I had like a ton of clients and was, you know, generating you know a lot of money that I was making but I realized I couldn't help them in the way that I really wanted to because I was just taking on too much. And so I ended up you know, helping as much as I could and saying, hey, like, I'm not going to charge you for whatever I was, couldn't deliver on because it was taking away from my business. And so I was like, I need to focus more time and energy onto my business. And so I stopped doing most of the consulting. And really what I'm doing now is I'm just kind of offering like, if you want to call me for like I love is kind of it's kind of a win-win like we can brainstorm for an hour talk about this talk about your Facebook ads but I don't want to like build your funnels for you and like there's so many other great agencies who want to do that and so exactly like you said I was just taking on too much and trying to help people too much that it was actually hurting my business and then during the holiday season in this last year probably around like October November I just kind of stopped all of it and really tried to dial in my marketing and thing and I saw huge returns from it and so I think a lot of times we see like, oh, we're jumping into helping people. And honestly, like that's my favorite thing, like helping other businesses, consulting, like any phone call, any Zoom meeting or anything is like my favorite thing because I just love talking and I love hearing how I can help other people be more successful. But at the end of the day, if it's hurting my business, then I can't focus too much on it. And so I'm not doing as much of that anymore just because of that. But I hope that, you know, even like a little email, like, hey, and like, my email is just logan at urbanemn.com and I respond, you know, all the time, but like just little emails, Hey, can I get some advice on this? Or, you know, like, Hey, let's set up a consultation. And I just charge like a small amount for that just cause like if I didn't charge for it, then I get people who aren't serious about it. I just do it cause I love it now. I like try not to do it for like a growing a consulting business. I just realized that my business was hurting because of it. It's a great point that you bring up. There's so many people that get started with shops and then it's like the natural step is always to become an educator. It seems sure. like there's a lot of money in that. You can have a course, you can do consulting, you can set, you know, do done for your services. It sounds like other than the course, you were offering a little bit of all of that. 
So I love that you bring up the point that you don't actually have to go into education, that you can have a really successful business without that educational component, like without basically giving away all your trade secrets and teaching people how to do what you do. I know personally, you didn't always work with jewelry owners, so that wasn't always the case. And that's one way around that. But the other way around it is just to do what you did and focus exclusively on your business, growing that to the biggest point possible. And just kind of looking at like your, your map that you set out earlier that you were talking about that list of things that you were going to, that you needed to do to keep growing Urbane and then organizing that by how is that actually going to happen? So can you walk us through like the back end of Urbane? Like, does that, I mean, don't, you don't have to share anything you're not comfortable with, but like, is it a big team? Is it just you and Michaela? Is it like, what does it look like on a day-to-day basis to you yeah, I think what's cool about online businesses is you can be very small. And so it's just Michaela and I, and you know, I have, I did have some like interns and other people. And I just realized like it was more work for me to have team members. I mean, I'm actually in the process right now, by the time this episode airs, hopefully I'll have you know, some people that are taking over some things and I'm working on, you know, manufacturing things like right now, like we're still making jewelry. And I have some people that have been able to help make it, but like some of the specific pieces, like we have to make every single one. So like we'll make jewelry, we'll ship orders and, you know, I'm doing all the marketing. And so it's like just so much work, but handing off things is really, really hard. So it's just us two. And then we have some people who help contract, like some contract marketing that helped me out with some of the things. And um, I was contracting out some social media support and, you know, some customer service stuff, things like that, you know, it's pretty easy to contract out. But as far as the actual like people who care about your business, it's, you know, it's us too focused on that. And so, you know, our operations, I have a, we have a studio space not far from uh, where we live and, you know, we all the, everything is done out of there. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what other like info, I guess, we no, I think help. that's really helpful. And it's interesting because you don't have to have a huge, you know, team of employees in order to really have a successful business. And just hearing that is inspirational to people. I know a lot of people who are listening have product-based businesses who feel like they need to have all of these different people to bring in, right? And in order to yeah. make something happen. And you're saying that, yes, it's, it's good to have some of these contract folks, but it doesn't need to be like a full-blown, humongous operation like we typically think about. Totally. Is there anything else on the operations side that you've kind of learned? I mean, you said that hiring people is hard, which is, I would totally attest to that. And it's very true. But is there anything else that somebody who's starting and has, you know, a solopreneur sort of operation and hasn't really started even to think about the the contracting thing, how they can start shifting to be quote unquote, being the boss? Sure. Yeah, I think, like you said, it is hard, you know, it's hard to, to find people. And I think the biggest thing is hard to find people that are passionate about what you're doing. And it's like, you can find people who will take your money really easily. But it's like, hey, are you passionate about you know doing this? And I think one of the things that I would probably recommend that I didn't do, I, you know, I founded the business, you know, I own 100% of the company is I probably would have had a co-founder at the beginning. And I was actually by a mentor, the same mentor who helped me start my business, he actually recommended not to have a co-founder because he was burned by it. But I think that a lot of the most successful businesses that I've seen, they have that co-founder who's with them from the beginning. And so I think that's the hardest part is getting like that employee number one or that employee number two. But if you have somebody that's with it from the beginning, I think that can really change. And I know there's a lot of people who've had bad situations with co-founders where like one co-founder doesn't give it enough effort. And then all of a sudden they're giving away half their company to somebody who's doing nothing. But I think the earlier on you can get people involved, 
the better it's going to be. And so just from an operations standpoint, the longer you go doing it yourself, the more you get used to taking care of everything yourself, but the quicker you can hand things off. And there's a lot of people who have these roles, but like Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, she says 80% is the role. And I love that. It's like, if they can do it 80% as good as you can, then you should hand it off. And so that's what I'm looking at, you know, over this coming summer is to say like, how can I hand off this stuff? And even if it's 80% as good, knowing that in order for the business to grow, which we have some great opportunities to grow, working on some new products and things like that. And in order for that to grow, I have to hand off all the manufacturing. I have to hand off all the fulfillment and I have to focus on sales and marketing as the, the founder. And so that's really what I'm working on and would encourage people to do is give people the 80% and then really focus on the areas um, that you're great at. Like I feel like marketing is something that I am passionate about and have been good at, but like the manufacturing side and things like that, I'm like a liability when it comes to that stuff. And so Michaela actually like helps me way more on that, but handing that off is definitely a priority for me over this next year. Those are some big things to hand off. <laughs> Most people start with like Instagram or I don't know, yeah. those. So yeah. those are some big things to hand off. What kinds of steps have you taken to hand those things off? Are you looking for contractors? Are you looking for employees? How would you know if somebody's a good fit to take over those roles and responsibilities? Totally. I think it comes down to finding people who that's what they're passionate about. For example, manufacturing. I have one manufacturer who I've worked with in the past who I loved working with them. Very inexpensive, very timely. And like looking at those types of things, I think a lot of times we focus on like, Hey, I'm going to find a manufacturer. And you're like, Ooh, they have an awesome website. They're super like customer service oriented. They're probably not a great manufacturer because if they have all the time to like focus on their amazing website, then they're probably not focusing on making your product. And I know that there's probably some manufacturers that have great websites, but what I found is like this manufacturer, I define them like they don't have like an email address. Like you have to just go visit them, but they're amazing at what they do because, and they have so much business because of it, because word to mouth is what spreads. And so when finding different things, you know, it's easy to look up on Google and say like, Hey, where's the best so-and-so place, but you may have to, you know, go, do the underground searches and talk to people ask, you know, even like reaching out, like I reached out to a, a jewelry company that I, in the area that was making great products. And I said, Hey, who's your manufacturer? And they were like, we're not telling you. And I ended up like finding like someone in their company who's a friend of mine that like, Hey, like they just don't want to tell people because they're like worried that people are going to you know, take them, but we're in, like not competing businesses. So here's our manufacturer, but like they don't have an email address, talk to them. And I did, and they were amazing to work with. And so sometimes it's just like sticking to it and focusing on. And I think, you know, we'll be working together in the future. And then like those other smaller things like social media, you know, blog posts, like blog posts, I use Upwork and just have found a couple people on there who are great at writing blogs. And then social media is something where it's like, there's a lot of people hand it off just like, Oh, let's just find a person. That's what I did. I like found a social media intern, hired them. And it was okay. But I think that at the end of the day, finding people that are passionate about it, especially areas like social media that are obviously so important. It's like, you don't want to just hire someone who's like, oh yeah, like I'll do it because that's what you need me to do. It's like, no, are you passionate about social media and, you know, building teams? It's like, what do you see as the future? And I think when they're passionate about it and I keep saying passion, I've seen hard workers too. 
you know, it's passion is a hard one to kind of censor for when you're, you know, looking to looking at people's resumes and whatnot. So I'm always looking for that, like it factor in terms of not just like their skills that's on the resume, but kind of the intangibles and how they fit into my team and kind of the ethos of how I like to run things. And I think that passion is something that you can just like sense, right? It's not, it's not just like the thing that's on the paper, but I was actually just going to comment on one thing that you said about the manufacturer and like not having that website and all of that. I think that marketing stuff is obviously so important, but if you're doing good work, people are talking about it, right? And just to the fact that you found this manufacturer through kind of word of mouth and they don't have like a lot of external stuff happening. I tend to see a lot of newer entrepreneurs focusing so hard on some of the the exteriors of their business that they're not focusing on some of the more important things. What would you say? I mean, your, your background and just like wanting to do a lot of the marketing stuff is obviously having that front and center, but what's the balance of the two, like having something that's presentable, but also like not focusing so hard that it's taking you away from some of the more important work. Does that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think the big thing I see with entrepreneurs and myself included is like website, for example, like people are like, I got to make my website perfect. And I was that way so long. It's like, you're doing all these conversion optimizations and it's like, you don't even have enough conversions for that stuff to matter, you know, but it's like, you're listening to all these podcasts on like making your website and like, Oh, I'm colorful blue and business sore it's like those are stuff that like very few companies have to do with that like sure i'm sure amazon or like walmart if they did like some testing like that would make a difference but most people it has nothing to do with like what color your buttons are and i found that just sure you want things to look beautiful but really focus on making a great product and like you said with manufacturers that's what's going to sell and i think one of the things i've been challenged on recently is that is maybe my ads aren't working as well, or maybe my you know website isn't converting as well, not because of my ad copy or my website, maybe it's my products, you know? And like the products that I have that sell really well are ones that like I know are just phenomenal products. And there's other ones that I feel good about, but I'm like, why aren't they selling? Oh, I need to do better marketing. Well, maybe you just need to get rid of the product, say it's not, it wasn't a great product, and I'm gonna create something new. And I think a lot of times, as entrepreneurs, we just focus so much on everything else except for the real thing that matters, which for me is product. But for some people, it may be service. Like instead of working on trying to come up with these great conversion tactics on getting people in your service-based industry, maybe you should just offer an incredible service and then people are going to tell people about it. So I think, I think that's something I've seen if that answers the question. Yeah, totally. I think it's, it's really interesting to hear like the balance, the dichotomy of like wanting to have it be perfect and it's never going to be perfect. (laughs) What you said in terms of like conversions is like, you want to get people to your website. So if you don't have one up, then no one's going to be converting for anything. Right. Yeah. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs doing that. Like I have to wait to launch. I have to wait to launch because it's not perfect, but just put it up and start selling your services or your product, whatever. I was going to ask you about your favorite resources as you've kind of grown in the online space. I know this industry is so weird, right? Like there, it's not, you can't get an MBA in online business. And so what recommendations do you have in terms of like marketing or just anything that's helped you grow your business? Yeah. I mean, podcasts are amazing, honestly. Like the fact that you can get so much information in just a short amount of time, like, and I'm not saying that because I'm honest, I, I really listen to podcasts all the time. And I listen to audiobooks all the time too. And so my like my rhythm is I'll listen to an audiobook and once one finishes, then I'll catch up on all my podcasts and then I'll like start a new audiobook. So that's just like my rhythm. But those are huge and helpful. And um, what podcasts do you listen to? I'm just curious. 
Yeah, I mean, I listen to uh, Perpetual Traffic uh, by Digital Marketer. I listen to Kurt Elster's podcast. I've been on there before. This one, obviously. And then, I mean, there's some Shopify, like Shopify Masters, I think is one. These are all like digital marketing, pretty specific. Um, but then I also listen to like some leadership podcasts, like about like growing your team. There's some amazing, you know, leadership. I, you know, Tim Ferriss is awesome. But like a guy named Craig Groeschel, he's actually, he's a pastor, but gives some great leadership tips. And so I listen to a lot of those, just like, there's so much information, like 20 minutes. You're like, I just read like a whole book in like 20 minutes. So that's been a huge resource for me. And then there's, I mean, there's so many webinars and like things like that you can go after. So really there's no excuse for you to not be like learning all the time. And, you know, you don't want to spend too much time listening to podcasts and not actually applying it. But I, I really think that you can't learn enough. Yeah. And I mean, you're so young. <laughs> I don't know if you want to tell everybody how young you are, but I mean, you're just so- yeah, We're both 21. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we're over here being super jealous because we wish we had started that. That's amazing. <laughs> you guys are just killing it. And so what do you see on the future or in the future for Urbane and your creative empire, Logan and Michaela? Totally. Totally. I think we see a lot of exciting things in the future. I think for both of us, you know, we have amazing things ahead of us, but I think the biggest thing we see in the future is growth. And, you know, we see that growth through more stories, more products. We're working right now on a a collection of barnwood bracelets and, you know, we're trying to get wood from every single state and making bracelets out of that. So that's something you should be seeing soon. And really just growing, like you said, handing off some of those things we, we know for a while we've needed to hand off you know, building a team in, in the future here, I think in the next, you know, six to six to 12 months, we'll probably be hiring um, a few people, whether that's part-time or full-time, I'm not sure, but um, just taking care of some of those things that have just been kind of nagging at us to, to hand off. And really just, we want to see, you know, people's lives changed. And another thing I didn't mention, but one of the things through this business is it's given us the ability to travel. And like, we love to travel so much. And, you know, we mentioned we were in Colorado, but through this, we've been able to meet so many people, you know, meeting customers, you know, traveling to experience more stories. And we're just in Turkey and, you know, we're traveling again, doing a, a trip to Iceland here shortly. And um, hopefully we'll have some products from there as well. So we've kind of combined those passions where we get to travel, but we get to do it with work. And so you'll be seeing a lot more products and collections from hopefully around the world over the next coming years. So. That's amazing. I love that. From a tax perspective, I'm like, oh yeah, good job. Finding that tax (laughs) write-off. Funding your travel. So anyway, where can people find you? Where can they find Urbane? What's the best way to connect with you and follow you on social? Yeah. So social uh, media, both it's just Logan Ketterling and Michaela Ketterling. UrbaneMN.com is the um, website. I'm sure it'll be in like the show notes, but that's where you can learn more about the business. We have a great about page where you can kind of learn about us. Join the list to our, our email list is just like telling our story. So we just try and tell our story through that. But Logan Ketterling, Michaela Ketterling, we're pretty active on social media. And you know, where the story is our tag for the Instagram for the company. So yeah. Perfect. And Urbane, just for you listeners out there, is U-R-B-A-I-N. So make sure you go check out yep. UrbaneMN.com. And uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. For all of you listening out there, go build your creative empire. Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co, where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire. 
If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Raina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show. 